Hi, I'm Erica Pandy. Welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. It's Thursday, November 18th, and we're focused on the surprising boom in retail sales. Retail sales have actually been rising for the last three months, and they've blown past their pre-pandemic levels. I found this really puzzling. Let me explain why. It's because the annual rate of inflation reached 6.2% in October, which is the highest we've seen in three decades. And then add to that this poll that my colleague Felix Salmon recently reported on, which showed us that a majority of Americans actually feel that the economy is weak right now. So I wanted to understand why are people buying more things if prices are rising and they're feeling down on the economy? And can retailers even handle this surge in spending as they head into a holiday season struggling with supply chain and hiring issues? In a moment, I'll be joined by retail analyst Neil Saunders to discuss how we can square these economic storylines. We're joined now by Neil Saunders, Managing Director and Retail Analyst at Global Data Retail. Hey, Neil. Hey, Erica. So, Neil, inflation is up to a point we haven't seen in decades, but at the same time, retail sales have been rising for three consecutive months now, and they're actually 21 percent above pre-pandemic levels. And then you've got supply chain issues across the board that are keeping items consumers are trying to get a hold of off of shelves. I just want to know, how can these three storylines exist in the same moment? Yeah, it's really strange because you'd expect from some of the economic numbers coming out that retail sales would be looking pretty terrible. But the absolute reverse is true. And I think when you dive into the detail, there's a number of reasons why this is happening. I think the first one is that actually inflation, we view it as a very negative thing, and it is in terms of people's disposable incomes. But actually, when you think about it in terms of retail growth, it's pretty helpful because what it does is it basically pushes up prices. It means people have to spend more, and therefore the retail sales numbers come in better. So One of the interesting things is when you look at those really hefty growth numbers, you kind of have to unpack and say, well, how much of that is inflation and price increases and how much of it is underlying volumes? Now, not all of it is underlying volumes, so inflation has a very flattering effect. But that said, some of it is volumes. And I think there, one of the really interesting things that's happening and one of the reasons why people are actually going out and buying more, despite some of the economic numbers not looking great, is because there is a very big diversion of spend away from spending on services to spending on things. Because if you think about it, we're still not back to normal in terms of travel, in terms of leisure, in terms of commuting. And that means that people are saving money on those things and they actually have more to spend on retail. So retail is actually being quite flattered at the moment by this diversion of spend. So it's a pretty good time for retailers. And what are people actually buying? Well, it's a whole range of things. Obviously, we're always buying the usual things like food and we're spending more there because of inflation. But actually, some of the categories that did pretty badly during the pandemic, like apparel, have really come back with a vengeance. And there's very, very strong growth in some of those areas because people are refreshing closets. They're starting to socialize a little bit more. So they want to buy more products. Some cases, they're having to buy new sizes because they've put on or taken off weight during the pandemic. So apparel is doing very, very well. 
But another area that's still doing fantastically well is home, because we're still nesting more, we're still spending more time at home, and we're doing more refurbishment projects, we're buying things like televisions because we're entertaining ourselves at home more. So the home sector's been on fire for the past year, and it's still doing really, really well, which is why you've got some great results coming out from the big retailers like Home Depot and Lowe's and others involved in that home space. Who are the winners in this moment? Well, there are definitely some winners that are coming out, and we've already seen some of them reporting in the past week or so. Walmart's definitely a winner. It sells a lot of food. When prices go up, a lot more people turn to Walmart to save the money, so their volumes rise dramatically, and they've had some very, very solid results. The other one, of course, in that mass merchandise space is Target. And Target has been on a phenomenal run for the past few years, and it continues to really outperform the market. It's partly because it is great value for money. It's not the most expensive store out there, but it's also because it sells some really interesting things that we can buy to treat ourselves with. And it's done a great job of improving Omnichannel. It's done a great job of investing in stores. And as you know, very few people who walk into Target walk out empty-handed. It really tempts us and gets us to buy. So Target's doing fantastically well. But we're also seeing at the other end of the scale, a lot of the luxury players come back quite strongly. Retailers like Coach have done extremely well. They're seeing a real surge in sales at the moment. They're above where they were in 2019, so they've more than climbed out of the pandemic hole. And that's because people are starting to invest in more luxury items. They're feeling more confident to go out and spend. So there's a whole range of retailers, I think, that are seeing some phenomenal results. I want to talk about this kind of treat yourself mentality because I feel like often people want to buy and spend money when they're feeling good. But polling shows that Americans are pretty pessimistic about the economy right now. What do we know about consumer sentiment? Consumer sentiment is very interesting because how people feel about the economy sometimes has a link to how they spend and how much they spend. But sometimes it doesn't. Those two things tend to separate a little bit. And at the moment, they are separating because consumer confidence is waning. It's down. People are a little bit gloomy about the future. But they're spending like the economy is doing absolutely great. And I think one of the things that we're seeing, especially in the run-up to the holidays, is the kind of attitude that I deserve to have a good time because things have been pretty miserable for the past couple of years. And I actually want to treat myself. I want to have a great holiday with the family. And whatever it takes, I'm going to go and I'm going to splash out. So there is a little bit of a disconnect there. And it is this kind of attitude of, well, I deserve it because things haven't been great that really is propelling some of the spending decisions that are going on at the moment. What do you expect from Black Friday and Cyber Monday this year? I expect Black Friday and Cyber Monday to be really strong days for two reasons. First of all, I think because they were a little bit muted last year, especially in stores. Not everyone went out. There was still nervousness. There's much less nervousness now about physical shopping, and I think we will see more people shop physically on Black Friday itself. But also there's the trend that people have been buying earlier for the holidays because they're buying Christmas gifts and other things earlier because of these supply chain issues. So I expect more people to use Black Friday as an opportunity to get gifts and to get all of those holiday things that they need in early because of the supply chain problems. And that means we're going to have a very, very robust selling period over those couple of days. 
That said, there is then the question of, well, how much spend has been pulled forward from later in November, the few days that we have left of November, and then from December as well. And that remains to be seen. But certainly for the Black Friday period and Cyber Monday, I think we're going to see some very good results come through. And we're seeing a labor shortage, you know, from industry to industry, sector to sector. How staffed up are our companies in preparing for this shopping surge we might see? Are they struggling to get the manpower to support it? Well, this is a really interesting thing because there is demand there. And the problem for retailers this holiday season isn't in generating demand. The problem really is in the, on the supply side from supply chains, but also from the labor point of view in being able to service all of that demand. And I think some retailers are in a reasonably good state. A lot are nowhere near where they would like to be. And as things get busier in stores and as more orders flood in for online, especially over that Black Friday, Cyber Monday period, I think we are going to see some retailers struggle to cope. That means maybe delayed shipments. It may be longer lines in stores. It may be messier stores because there aren't enough uh, staff to recover the stores after people have been in there shopping. So I think we're just going to see some real tightness around that labor market. And I think that is one of the real issues this holiday season. As I say, it's not really about the demand. The demand is there. It's about being able to service that demand effectively. That's where the problems lie. So part of this, you know, increase in retail sales, as you're saying, is this divergence from spending on services to spending on goods. Do we know if that divergence is going to have any sort of permanence? Do we know enough to say if if this is going to be, you know, a thing going forward after the pandemic too? Well, I think it will continue for the near-term future. So I think the rest of this year, maybe into the first three to six months of, of next year, it will continue because the pandemic isn't fully over and there still is difficulties and restrictions on things like travel, which will put a, a block on that kind of spending. But I think as we move further away from the pandemic, we will start to go back to some normality because people like to travel, they like to vacation, they've missed it. And so we will see services and service-based spend, leisure spend start to pick back up as we move out of the, the pandemic and hopefully we see an end to COVID. That's clearly going to take some time, but it will happen. The one area where I'm a bit more optimistic, I think, is in spend that is made for things like commuting, which obviously is quite a lot of spend or typically was a lot of spend before the pandemic because a lot of people commuted. They spent a lot on gas. They spent a lot on transportation. And I think we're going to work from home more than we did before the pandemic. So I think there's still some savings there and that might be helpful to retail, but it's really helpful at the margins. I think the great trends that we've seen for the past 18 months or so, eventually, unfortunately, they do unwind and then retail is going to be in a much tighter period. And again, it's going to start battling for growth against all those other things consumers like to spend on. Neil Saunders is a retail analyst and managing director of Global Data Retail. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Erica. Welcome back. So we just heard about how people are treating themselves post-pandemic and buying things despite rising prices and despite inflation. But there's another trend that's kind of percolating on the fringes, and that's these buy-nothing groups. An item in the Wall Street Journal caught my eye, which is reporting that membership is exploding in these groups. They're mostly on Facebook, and people are gathering there to give away or lend things to one another. The goal is to reduce consumer waste and save some cash by getting anything you need without spending as much as a cent. 
The Buy Nothing Project, which is a big network of these little local groups, hit 4.27 million members in August, according to the journal. So that gives you a sense of how big this thing is getting. It seems like every mainstream movement comes with an alternative subculture, even retail therapy. That's all for today. I'm Erica Pandy. Thanks for listening, and we're back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.